This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Ask Brothers Rant. Download all our content on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Enjoy. Welcome to this and Ask Brothers Rank Cast and Ask Bros OG and uh, Toby and I are back. Oh, that's gone everywhere. Um, ah, fucking thirty-two dollars a slab, Toby. They're shit beers, Hollandia. They're shit beers, but thirty-two dollars a slab. You can tell we've been in lockdown for too long. I did exactly the same thing. Yeah, it's all like just dirt cheap Dutch beer. Cheap, cheap Dutch beer. So yeah. this this slab with the giant size Bogan beers, fifty bucks, pal. Yeah, thirty. 30 I walked into Dan Murphy's like all these good beers, and obviously, you know, I I own and run a bar, or I did before I was unmercilessly shut down by COVID and the communist state of Victoria. But, you know, so you would think that someone who sells premium products just goes out and buys premium beers. Not for me. Straight in, straight to the pyramid in Dan Murphy's of cheap piss. And I'm like, $32 a slab. I'll drink a shit ton of them. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> and what Insane. a way to start what a way to start the show. Yeah, what a way. In saying that, it's not it's so light. It's only two standard drinks for a giant beer. So anyway. Oh, is it? For my one. I did drink like eleven of these the other night and tell Victoria I was amazed how sober I was. And she told me, You're not sober, you're drunk, you think you're sober. So mm. who knows? But viewers, this is not the cheap beer review show. This is the Asbros OG. This is me and Toby. Uh, doing our post-match reviews. We're coming to you on a Sunday in Australia. It's a Sunday here, which is very, very rare. So I assume as a a result we're going to have no live listeners because it's like 5.30 p.m. on a Sunday and it's like America and the UK are all asleep or elsewhere. But we don't really care. Um, Man City game has been and has gone. And, you know, for a start, Toby, I'd just like to say that – I put a message up in our in our messenger group and I said, just wait for everyone's fucking heads to explode on Twitter when Thomas Party does not play. And uh, I was correct. And as a result, Toby, I wasn't in any way upset or in any way, you know, I didn't have any emotion towards it when I when I saw it. Um, when I saw everyone putting up their starting teams and somehow miraculously we were going to move to a 4-3-3 with a guy who had had one training session, change the whole thing and then go to Man City and 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 put it on them. People were tipping Arsenal to win 3-1. Party's exactly what we've been missing. And uh, no, Toby, it was three at the back, Xhaka and Ceballos, David Luiz in there, uh, and much the same as as what we had seen before. Any thoughts? I thought we'd get that out of the way early because there's not going to be much talk about him otherwise. No, no, no. Um, I think completely to be expected. I mean, as we know, we're very structured in our system um, and it's very unlikely that with one training session or however many days, you're going to have a brand new player coming in to that system where it's so paramount that, that we don't lose the ball in, in that territory. Your players are so structured in what they do in our team that it's um, 
it was never likely that he was going to uh, to come along, and we were going to throw throw everything. Throw caution to the wind. <laughs> that's 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 the phrase I was looking for. Caution to the wind, and we were going to win seven one. Mm. Um, now, the the only criticism I would have is that we had to wait till eighty minutes for him to come on. I would have liked to see him a little bit sooner. But apart from that, wholly unsurprised, and not even. Um, not triggered I don't, in any way. You are untriggered well, com- by the situation. Com- completely untriggered. I mean, if 50, you've got a guy... 50 million quid we pay for him. He's come from Simeone. He knows how to play football. What? Is the grass cut different in England than it is in uh, Spain? I was about to say Belgium, but it would have fucked that up. These, these are the things that are on Twitter right now, Toby. These are the things that I'm reading. You know, Mikel Arteta out. We should have got Ancelotti. You know... I don't know whether that's all solely based around solely based around the the manner with which we played or just solely based around people's really untenable expectations of what happens when you bring someone in when he signs, does his medical in another country, immediately goes on international duty, flies into the country, has one training session and is then somehow meant to be, you know, this guy who's going to start in a new formation where Arteta's had no time to put the pieces together. And the thing that really bugs me, Toby, is when we look back at previous iterations of Arsenal, especially old Vengarian teams at Arsenal, and we think about the amount of times that we went away to places like City and didn't give them respect and got bummed, went to places like Liverpool and got bummed, Manu and got bummed, Chelsea and got bummed, because... We didn't play with the structures and we didn't play with the shapes and we didn't stay in the game for long enough to be able to, I guess, compete and then be able to introduce the the style of football that we want to play. I'm I'm unsure where the kind of vitriol towards Arteta has come from. And, And can I just caveat this by saying I'm not particularly happy with certain elements of it but I refuse to throw the baby out with the bathwater like so many people are doing. And um, I I refuse to throw the baby out with the bathwater like so many people are doing and immediately just say, I want to return to what was previously the case, which was us going out and, and, and trying to play expansive football when we didn't have the players and we couldn't match them player for player on the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I... We've been there. We have PTSD from that situation. So there's no point going back to that old way of being, which is nonchalantly, arrogantly going and throwing all the players up the pitch and expecting a different outcome. So Mm. we had a clear tactic, as we did, I think, the other day against Liverpool as well, was to stay in the game for long enough to have an opportunity or two or three and then either nick a point or, luckily, um, nick a win. Mm. Now, this absolutely is the game plan, and I think fundamentally was um, was executed. You know, we are playing one of the the best possession based teams there is, one of the the best pressing team there is, who when they do lose the ball, win it back in a blink of an eye. And it was our, I think it was our remit to go there and not lose our shape, not, you know, compete for everything, you know, not let 
men run past you. Um, and I think for the most part, that was that was executed across the whole team. Unfortunately, the attack wasn't great, but mm. our first mm. our first priority and the remit from the manager was to not give away too many chances. And I, and I think we, will, we did and, that. And we will dig into the player performances, but I guess initially, I, I I you know completely agree with you that the game plan here and the game plan against these teams. So I've said over and over and over again and Arsenal fans pull me up on this and people online pull me up on this and I will say to them the same thing I say to them every time. Fuck off, right? Fuck off and go away. If you want to play FIFA, if you want to go play fantasy football, go play fantasy football. This is real football. We are not necessarily this season at this stage in our rebuild competing with the one and two spots. If we can go there and nick points in any fashion, they are massive wins. The league, Especially that we are- away. Absolutely. The league that we are playing in is a level below that league and it's us hopefully trying to scrape into a fourth position but making sure that we're in the fight for the right positions that at the end of the year or if other teams fall down, we are well-placed to be able to maybe get a position or two positions higher than where we currently are in our trajectory. I say this over and over again. Don't forget this is the same Arsenal team that finished eighth last year with one new defender and now Thomas Partey who... Granted, has had one training session. Where I will take a little bit of a step back from that with Mikel Arteta, where I will actually, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not one of these like pro Arsenal, pro Mikel Arteta, like I'm going to have my agendas and I'm not going to pull them up on things because I can see what the game plan was. Like what you said, the game plan is don't lose it, give yourself an opportunity to nick it, give yourself an opportunity and believe that you have the attacking assets that even though you may be going to a state where you're 70 30 possession if you keep your shape and if you can frustrate them and if you can draw them in we should have the quality to be able to take a couple of opportunities and like you said nick a goal or nick a win here is where i fall down with that with Mikel arteta toby once you go a goal down surely that passiveness has to change to attacking because and i understand that we're talking about not letting it go two up or three up. But if we look at that last 10 minutes of the second half, when we create three or four opportunities in the last 10 minutes, where Aubameyang comes central, Willian drops deep, Saka goes further up, we very much move to that four at the back. Do you not think that there's an element there where perhaps that's the part of the game where you say, no, let's get on the front foot now. Maybe you do throw caution to the wind and bring Thomas Pardy on from 60 minutes. I think it should have happened earlier. However, we were we were in it, you know. So you can't really argue that much. You know, you had um, – there were the opportunities there. There was a great save from Edison. Um, there was – and there was a couple of headed opportunities from Pepe in particular. So I think – what are you doing? Huh? I'm just someone's asking me if I want to play golf on Friday. <laughs> My God. I'm listening. I'm I'm listening. I'm listening. Yeah, I yeah. have the attention span of a gnat. Yeah. So anyway, I've lost my train of thought because you completely weren't. I was just interested. looking down here for one yeah. second. I am interested, but contrary yeah. to popular opinion, Toby, and contrary to my <laughs> wife, I can do two things at once. Bollocks. So, okay, you were, so so your question was about 
when we did attack in the last 10 minutes, and you're talking the last 10 minutes of the game, yeah? Not the last the, 10 minutes no, no, of the of first half. No, no, of the last half. 10 minutes of the first half. I'm, I'm saying yeah. that when we went a goal down and we turned it on in the last 10 minutes of the first half and we changed the shape, we moved Aubameyang into the middle. That's where I would have liked to have see us, seen us move into more of an attacking system, but we didn't. We went off for the second half and we came back out and we came back out in very, very structured shape again. That's where I'm saying, even though I understand the Mikel Arteta game plan, I will not. I, I still believe that he should have come out and he should have been more aggressive because once you're a goal down, and I understand that the concept of not going too down or going down in bunches, but once you are a goal down, surely that's then time to say, okay, well, we're a goal down. Let's go and see. Let's go and watch us attack. Let's go and watch us give them troubles. And we did when we went forward. We did cause mm. them problems. Yeah, I, look, I disagree because I think the quality of the opposition, what they want you to do is come out of your shape and come at them. And then they'll just go bang, bang, bang. You know how quick they are. You know yep. how amazing their movement is. You know, the way Raheem Sterling drops in and plays really 360 degrees. and Riyad you know, Mahrez, worth every cent of that money. What a player. No, no, I thought he was very good in the, in the opening stages of the game. You can see his faults as the game goes on. But what Guardiola has trained into him, he could never be fucked defending for Leicester. And this is a guy now that's starting, you know, he's pressing and he's harrying and hassling. So you can see... Um, what's ex- expected in that in that system, but yeah, I mean, look, coming back to the point, no, I don't think so. We we did get better towards the end of that first half, but I think you have got to manage the game through stages, and I think that's what Arteta sets up to do. So yeah, there there was a momentum swing towards the end of the first half, and apart from an excellent Edison save. We would have been one. Yeah. 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 So we would have been one all. And then it would have been, everyone would have been praising that game plan um, for wearing down the opposition and not letting them get away from us. I think there's a consolidation period as well when the second half starts. So we know they're going to come at us and it becomes another point of see out that first 20 minutes or so. Mm. The, The only criticism I would have is that things look really stagnant. And certain players started tiring, and we still waited just too long. I thought to make any I, of those I, I attacking, felt like that was attacking for subs. Fear of, I felt like that was for fear of coming out of that shape again. And, and this is yeah. this is where Toby, there's an ebb and flow with me. You know, as as I guess we're analysts. I mean, that's what we're doing here. We're not paid to do it, but we are analysing the game. We're, we are we're, we're analysts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well done, Toby. Way to take a word and make it dirty. Give yourself a gold star. Um, but I guess if we're if we're looking at it and if we're analysing it, I kind of feel like there are some there is some low hanging fruit for Arsenal fans at the moment, and there is some very easy targets and there's some very easy things to go after. And I think it's very interesting that the same people that were lauding Arsenal as being this amazing team at the end of the season are the people who are pulling him apart for playing passive now. But those games against City, those games against Liverpool at the end of the season, we were playing we were playing passive. The difference being that we had in particular one player up front who was in goal scoring form, who seems to have heavily dropped out of form this season, has had four nothing games. And so far, because of the the way that our, the, the way that Arsenal fans are and I don't know if it's the way that football fans are or it's just the way that Arsenal fans are. We've said this a load of times, you know. 
we don't do Premier League shows. We're not in other forums with other fans. But it seems to be, like I said, that there is some low-hanging fruit and Arsenal fans seem to be going after some of that low-hanging fruit without looking at a, a, a player or a couple of players who are really, really underperforming this season. And the reason why I talk about that is ultimately the, the idea of Mikel Arteta playing passive, just to go back for a second to the passive nature of the game, the final piece on this before we move on, Toby, the idea of playing that passive is the idea that you have enough ammunition up front you have enough strike power, enough technicality, enough finishing ability up front that when those chances come, when those opportunities are made and that killer ball has to be made or that killer pass or that killer shot needs to be made, that when you're playing passive, it becomes so much more important that those players up front are efficient. And that's mm. the word I want to talk to you about, Toby. The complete lack of efficiency from Aubameyang in the first four games of this season incredibly inefficient, dare I say, lazy, underwhelming against Liverpool. And I feel like this game against City was very similar, almost carbon copies. Now, I understand there's a big call for him to play centrally, but centrally or on the left, don't forget people saying, oh, the reason why he played so bad, Toby, was because he wasn't through the middle. But he wasn't through the middle last year, Toby. He scored mm. 25 goals off the left. His efficiency mm. has been awful. His pressing has been awful. His connection with the team, his connection with that left-hand side of the team has been really bad. His running looks down. His pressing looks down. And I think that when you're looking at it, instead of blaming Mikel Arteta and sitting there and saying, this didn't work, I look at it and say there were ample opportunities for Aubameyang and Pepe and Willian, for that matter, to play balls in at times when they didn't execute the ball. All of them, except Willian, and we will get to him later on, had opportunities, had goal-scoring opportunities, opportunities to play a shot. And yet the one kid, the one guy who looks the most dangerous is a 19-year-old who's come through our academy, who's on, I think he's on 30-odd or 40-odd thousand pounds a week. So the thing I want to ask you, Toby, is, you know, is the low-picking fruit for Arsenal fans at the moment to pick on Hector Bellerin? Is the low-picking fruit for Arsenal fans the moment to pick on Willian because it's a poor performance and because he's on a lot, but somehow we've managed to shield someone like Aubameyang from any form of negativity? I haven't seen his name brought up anywhere on Twitter. Mm. Mm. Well, for let, let me play devil's advocate for a moment. Do you have to do that so loud? Do you have to I'm make a, a, perfor a performance out of opening a fucking beer? I'm a bartender, anyway. baby. Look at me. Anyway, yes, look at me. So now the one thing with Aubameyang is that he has earned our respect to not be so reactive like a lot of mm. other fans are. So he's he's banked up a hell of a lot of goodwill for us. We wouldn't have got anywhere close to a, as a productive season last season without him. So Truth. Let, let's, let's just put that before I say anything. Secondly, I think we know he's the type of player that is either going to win the game for you or be a negative three in terms of player performances because he is low touch. He likes to play in front of him. He likes to get in behind defenders. He doesn't like it so much when he is heavily pressed and, you know, th there's not a lot of space around him. He wants to be running on the ball or running in behind. He's not going to do a lot in terms of his own technique, all right? Mm. What I will say, though, 
is that there was a rather lethargic performance against Liverpool. There was another lethargic performance against City. The player, the two other players, or three on the left, but the, the two most contributing players on the left in Tierney and Saka look like they're telepathic in terms of their understanding, mm. their tenacity. Their um, work rate. Their, yeah, what, what I was going to say is their desire to win the one-on-one battles. And that's so important because you mm. break down the one-on-one battles all over the pitch and it's not letting your opposing number get the better of you. Now, what's happening, unfortunately, on that left-hand side is there's a lot of good play, but it actually seems to be breaking down a little bit with Aubameyang. And I don't know whether in that lopsided system, Aubameyang actually starts drifting more centrally, Tierney starts overlapping from the left-sided centre-back, and Saka comes inside as well. So I don't think it's that pure, rigid... You know what we always talk about? Like, yeah, football don't, isn't... don't look at it as pegs in holes. Yeah, yeah, it's football, about the areas they occupy. Yeah, so yeah. football isn't Pro Evo or FIFA anymore. You know, it's a fluid system. However, when, you're, when your system is based on a, a, a press from the, from the front three and you have a disjointed and lethargic attempt at playing paying lip service to a press. Warcottian even Toby Obamiang at the start of this season. Yeah, yeah. Well that that's that's going pretty far with that criticism. Um, <laughs> so you know you've got that um, Obviously, Willian was playing as a false nine, I think, to disrupt things in terms of that, in, like in terms of a press. Mm. I, have, um, I have something to say on that and then, later on. Yeah, and then you've, you've got Pepe, who we know struggles from the press, okay, in, in that particular system. So bringing it all the way back to Aubameyang, yeah, it is a little bit, it is a little bit disappointing um, and a little bit concerning. Um, however... You know, sometimes players are streaky. Um, he finished last season on a high. He started in the Charity Shield, you know, playing well again. You know, he just hasn't put it together, you know, in the Premier League so far. So I, I'm not prepared to shit the bed on him, but he is our captain and captains need to show leadership on the pitch. And I don't think you saw that from from him so that is I don't concerned. think I don't think by criticizing him Toby it is shitting the bed and saying it's alarm bells I, I guess my point was if you're going to be willing to have low-hanging fruit and have you know uh, people constantly going after players like Hector Bellerin and you know as soon as David Luiz makes a bad pass they they constantly go after them I think that it would be remiss of us not to dig into the fact that Aubameyang has had, I think, his worst start to a season for Arsenal mm. since being mm. an Arsenal player. Yeah, And after and, almost and, putting to bed yeah. just quickly, Toby, Manny and I had this conversation after the FA mm. Cup final and we said, can we now put to the put to bed the idea that Aubameyang doesn't perform in big games? Because there had been a, a, a bit of conversation around the fact that he was maybe a bit of a flat track bully and he didn't compete and he didn't do enough in the big games when Arsenal were passive and they were on the back foot. And he put that to bed by taking his opportunities right at the end of the season and, and bagging quite a lot of goals. Don't mm. forget, he ebbed and flowed. And in our uh, Arsenal end-of-year numbers, he ended up with the most amount of positive points. And he also ended up, I think, like 
top four or top five for quantity of negative points. So when he doesn't mm. perform because he is a low-touch player, he doesn't get the numbers. And so I will mm. agree with you. He's going to pulse throughout different parts of the season. But I, mm. I just feel like if we're going to sit there and it's so easy now for people to start slagging off Willian because they're looking at what we paid for him and they're looking at what he's being asked to do, I just don't want to shield Aubameyang from criticism because there's a bit of a hard-on for him. I, I said in the in the fucking, what's it called? The thing, the written bit that connects to this, if you click on it. The comment the, section. Yeah, that bit. Um, I, said, I said, you know, Yo Pierre over here, you know, Yo Pierre, where the fuck are you? It's been four mm. games and you've really done fuck all. Mm. Um, Toby, I want to pick up on something that you kind of spoke about in that where you, where you said – you know, we're looking to a a 19-year-old to provide us the spark and to Kieran Tierney to provide us the spark. And I, this is something that I picked up on as well, so I find it really interesting. Look, granted, almost all of us at the Aspos, we've all given uh, Saka positive three points in this game, and the vast majority of us have found either a positive one or a positive two for Tierney, which goes into what you said, Toby, that it may have broken down a little bit in that left channel with Aubameyang because for those guys to score so well you would expect that the guy who's meant to be linking up with them would have had more opportunities than what he did. Well, he did. Um, he, he gave the ball away. It broke down with him. Um, and then he also, when we did get opportunities, it also broke down with him. I also, so think, that's he lacks where, the I also think he lacks the technical passing. I, I think those two are so much more technical than him that when it all gets very close, I actually think he lacks a little bit of the technical passing to be able to link up with them. Um, but the thing that I want to ask you, Toby... Do you think that because someone like Saka has no scar tissue because he's such a young player and he's so full of confidence that he is almost more willing to try in the knowledge that he might lose, whereas it looks a little bit to me with Aubameyang that he's only willing to try if the risk isn't there for him, that he's not going to lose the ball and have to track back because... For me, Saka, he's on the ball, he gets in the hole, he'll beat two people, beat three people, he'll ride the challenges, and he's creating something out of a willingness to break the structure. Saka was the only guy who was willing to break the structure. So, again, you know, as we're talking about Aubameyang, we're talking about Saka, does that mean that that's, we might be in a position where Aubameyang is being coached out of fluidity? Mm. I think youth always has less um, scar tissue or baggage. Mm. So yeah. I think playing on instinct is the best part of football. That's where football is easy, when it's instinctual. So when you've got the the physique and the motor and uh, the speed um, the and the desire that comes with youth, whereas when you're at the other end of your career um, and you've had things coached out of you because everything is so structured these days, and quick caveat, that's why football was more fun 20 years ago, but it's just, you know, leave that there. I think there is an element of truth with that. You can, that lack of fear is is what drives that player forward. And, you know, you've got probably less fatigue. I'd like to say as well, no one's picked up on it, but in the commentary in the Liverpool game, Aubameyang did tweak something. And I reckon he's been carrying that since then. And since then, he's gone on to in international duty as well. So 
yeah. So anyway, just just that is a thought. He, he may very well why. be a player, Toby, that has to be at a hundred to be effective mm. because he is mm. so low touch. So, you know, even if he is, you know, down at eighty five or even ninety, you 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 might see him just not as mm. explosive. Mm. Um, but, but, but yeah, you definitely look, you definitely agree. It's a lack of scar tissue with Saka. He's been picked in the England team. He's riding high. He's mm. he's in a state where he's fearless, Toby. Do you know what Saka is? Saka is He's drunk nine beers and there's a guy who's a lot bigger than him in the pub and Saka don't give a fuck, right? Mm. Saka's like, what are you looking at, motherfucker? Like, I will yep. fuck you up. And it's yep. not going to be until someone smashes him that he realizes he's not that big. Yeah. Can I add one more thing on top of that fantastic analogy? Thank, Thank you. you. Um, is that I have a feeling in Arteta's system that left wing back is given a little bit more freedom to try something on. Do you remember AMN, his last game, he was actually the one that lost the ball the most times, but he was the one willing to try something in that final third. So, Are you saying that may be the least structured position on the pitch? Yeah. Yeah. So I think the right side holds more and that's why, um, you know, Willian plays over that way. I realise Pepe played there this game. But Hector doesn't go as far forward. So I think we have a predominantly left-sided bias attack and that allows Tierney to overlap and play as a pseudo fullback, even though he's playing out of central defence. So we just come across and then set up in that way, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, Toby, let's just talk a tiny bit of tactics quickly before we move on to, I guess, some of the more the more negative aspects, some of the more negative players. Um, when the team lists were released, it, it was assumed by both pundits, commentators, and the world of Twitter that this was Aubameyang playing out the middle, that we would most likely say see Willian off the left, Pepe off yep. the right. Yep. It ended up being Willian out of quite an old-fashioned false nine, I, I, I kind of want to say. Um, in my opinion, Toby, I kind of feel like Man City ended up forcing that with the way that they played, that Willian was meant to be in a false nine. And for me, I think he was actually meant to drop in, congest the midfield, and Pepe and Aubameyang were meant to go further beyond and almost be like a two up front. And for me, it was almost a little bit of a throwback to Unai Emery's like four-two-two-two in possession was was kind of what it was meant to be with Willian that little bit further forward and Jacka much mm. much further forward with with Sabio sitting deeper to release with better passing, and it didn't work out like that. It ended up being Willian playing as a pretty ineffectual striker, and. I was just interested with how you saw that, how you saw the decision, and really interested in what you thought the game plan was with that from a tactical perspective, regardless of whether it ended up being effective or not. I have no fucking idea why he was yeah, selecting that I. position. But no one to, does. To, <laughs> to be honest. Um, so I'm not going to try and pull it out of my butthole and think, you know, try and sound overly intelligent like I understood what was going on. I, well, then, I do, guess... you, do you agree with do you agree with what I said that it, it was probably meant to be more of a ten with the two going further and coming yeah, in a bit look, more pincering a bit more, and it just didn't work out that way. It makes a lot of sense um, when you put it like that, and I hadn't actually considered it when, when I saw it. It was because maybe he would do a better job at harrying and pressing the defence than Lacazette. I don't think could. he did a great job of doing that. 
No, no, well, neither do I. That that's mm. the thing. That's the thing. That um that pace that's needed to close down that space. I actually didn't think he had it. Now I've never had a huge problem with Willian's pace before, but I think that's because he's a fast dribbler. He's quick on the ball rather than his overly quick sprint speed. Yeah. Yeah. So I think um. I think it didn't work because of that. So my assumption was that he was there to to harry their defence, and you've basically now got three players up top that don't harry their defence. So <laughs> I don't think they had a huge amount of pressure playing out from the back, um, and I think that's a bit of a huge problem for us because mm. especially we need when to- you've got someone with the passing ability of Edison, which was outstanding. Like, yeah, absolutely yeah. outstanding in this game. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I think that's kind of an issue for us. And I think that's something Arteta is searching for because we clearly play very structured in our setup. So we play three at the back. We play two deep sitting central midfielders who I am convinced every week a task to, to manage a zone and not go beyond that. That's that's. I their, felt that that's was. A, their I role. thought that was a tactical change this week, though, Toby, because that is the highest I've ever seen Xhaka play consistently for an entire game. Xhaka was pushed right up, almost as high as he used to sit in Wenger teams when he mm. played more as a, a high eight, well, hitting five have, or third we, entry balls. And incidentally, yep. Toby, one of the better games I've seen Xhaka play in quite a while as well. Yep. Yeah. Well, I didn't see what you're alluding to in terms of how high he was playing because I saw his defensive contributions Sorry, more with than, the ball. With more the than ball anything. Higher. So when we were yeah. on the ball, he got way higher. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and played a couple of like there was one lovely through ball in particular that we fluffed that opportunity. Like it was it was um it was very good from memory. Um my um my appreciation of um, of Xhaka's game in particular was his stand-up defending against excellent um, dribblers in Sterling and Aguero that he st- stood up and defended sort of Maitland-Niles style and got a block in both times when they were on the shot. I thought his game management was very good because everything was so frantic with City you know, playing for the foul and going down and getting the free kick and just slowing everything down and enabling Arsenal to reset and reset shape because, you know, that was all about our defensive structures on this game. Um, and I thought his manoeuvring and movement of the ball was quite good. So mm. I actually thought I thought, he that, showed- I thought the angles that he cut with his mm. passing were really good. He didn't mm. play straight balls. He played a lot of balls in behind on good angles for people yep. to run onto and actually helped yep. with us building momentum yep. instead of, I guess, what you yep. had seen in that same role from El Nenny, which was very much backwards and sideways. Um, yep. Toby, but in saying that, it seemed like a bit of a role reversal with him and Sabios. So with the ball, Sabios got less far forward and Xhaka went further forward. Without the ball, they both sat a little bit deeper and one of the most ineffective performances I've seen from Ceballos in an Arsenal shirt since that kind of like period of time pre-COVID closed down last season when he had kind of fallen out of it. And what I got the feeling was that Ceballos had been tasked with being deeper to take the ball off of the back three because he was more technical in his passing and going to be more press resistant, 
That was the reason why I thought he ended up deeper. But it was horses for courses for me because by giving up Ceballos deeper, it meant that the link-up play, especially down the right, was really made redundant, really, really made redundant. And, and it kind of highlighted, again, Bellerin's lack of motor to go beyond Pepe. But you and I have also spoken about this so many times that Pepe and Bellerin, I cannot remember a Pepe-Bellerin performance that has made them both look good at the same time. I just I don't think that there's a synergy there with the areas that Pepe wants to run into. I feel Pepe always wants to come inside, and I feel Bellerin always wants to come inside, and it pinces up and congests that channel. Whereas we've said before, I, I think when you play AMN on the right and Pepe mm. on the right, mm. Pepe goes inside and AMN has the athleticism to go past him, which drags defenders out, which gives mm. Pepe space in the middle. Um, mm. But just quickly, I've rabbled again, just your thoughts on Ceballos, your thoughts on that position, on that deeper role, and, 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 and your thoughts on now that we're kind of seeing a few different things, how, how a three would work. How a three would work and how you think a three would work. Okay. Firstly, I'll try and I'll try and like decipher as I go yeah, your uh, three, three three problems. Three questions question. in one. Sabios, I didn't have too much of a problem with this game. I realize he didn't go as forward as, as much as you may have liked, but I felt like he buzzed around. He did enough defensively, which was quite good. Um, and he certainly kept possession in tight places. And just cycled it, which is which is his main job. I don't know how many times I have to say on this podcast, we overload the wide spaces. We don't play through the middle. So well, our, we overload the left. Our, our central midfield is about holding a space and cycling. That that's what we do. So I didn't have too much of a problem with his game. My only criticism of him in this game was probably a lack of mobility compared to the dynamism of a city who just everything is always turned up to 11 on the app. Like everything they do is in fast forward. So I think whilst he's good at um, maintaining possession, he just lacks that little bit of dynamism athletically, as does Xhaka. Um, to really progress the ball forward. Now, part two of your long-winded question. Part two. How would you is, build a three? Well, so I'm thinking. I, I'm thinking. Let, I'm thinking. What I'm thinking. Well, how about you let, let me let answer Grant, the question? No, no, no. But I'm trying to put instead another instead of you on top asking of it. it and then I'm, answering I'm thinking it for left. Yourself. I'm thinking left, right, middle, and what attributes each of those positions needs to have, and how we would apply those tri attributes with our players. Well, can I answer the fucking question? Yeah, answer I, the fucking I, question, I, champion. I, I would have party on the right, Ceballos on the left, Jacques sitting deeper and dropping back into like what could be a back three out of possession. All right. Then you put Saka left and Tierney left because they have a great combination. It provides Saka the opportunity to use more of his attacking skills in that zone. And you have Aubameyang just as a fucking finisher. Now, what you probably need is a bit more pressing from Pepe on the right in order for that to to work. So that's the way I see a 4-3-3. So it would be, mm. in my head, it would be a 4-1-2-3 or a 4-1-2-1, mm. if that makes, my, if my that makes question, sense. My question for that is if Xhaka has been found out as being quite one-footed, quite 
not press resistant, mm. that him receiving the ball in that deeper role. It, th- this is just the thought process I'm starting to have looking at it. So if Ceballos has to receive the ball in the deepest role, which it looks like he is, because Xhaka doesn't have the technicality to pass with both feet, he's quite one-directional, and he actually looks like he's more comfortable pushed up a little bit further up the pitch in possession. He looks more comfortable not taking the ball off the back for being panicked. We've spoken about him not only being not press-resistant, but not stress-resistant. And I think that Ceballos is press resistant and is stress resistant. So what I'm thinking is, is there a way that we can actually kind of, can these three be interchangeable enough that under pressure when playing out from the back, you're going to have someone like Ceballos come deeper and Xhaka go further up? Are we, are we good enough? Are we expecting that Mikel Arteta is good enough that maybe this doesn't have to be around circles, round pegs in round holes, kind of outlay and that you do need more technical people receiving the ball off the back four. Would Jack be someone who's going to be deep out of possession, meaning he's going to be better defensively out of possession, a better stand-up defender definitely than what Ceballos is? And then in possession, Ceballos is going to be the guy who takes it off the back four and then uses that technicality to move it? Mm, look, I don't know. I feel like that's too complicated and that's a... That's, uh lesson waiting for disaster you know lesson wait i don't know anyway yeah. that, that that is that who is goes something, and who stays i guess that is, is something that could fuck up and then you're left with a giant hole to to run through so i think the way we play you have a certain zone you don't leave it <coughs> um i don't think Shaka is as bad as you're making him out to be because it's the players around him that you can distribute to. I know he's quite one-footed and all of that, but he does play a quarterback role anyway. So I don't think anything would really change that way. You would just have more running either side of him, which I think would be a good thing. And now, I guess with the three, more options for him to pass to in course, dangerous areas. Of course. Yeah. So now we do have pretty good distribution from our defenders as well. I was quite impressed with Gabrielle again. Um you know, we we know we have David Luiz there, and and I was I was sad to see Rob Holding go down because I thought he'd be now one of our better mm. defenders. But Just I think Luiz hamstring tightness. Yeah, apparently. I think Luiz. I think Luiz did fine. I think we all expected Luiz to drop into the middle, but Gabriel didn't lose his spot because that that's been the way he was training. So that was that was a positive. Um, you know, and look when when Party came on. I actually thought he wasn't quite up to speed yet. I expected to see this lightning fast dynamo. No, quite, I re- quite quite lumbering, wasn't he? I, I I realized he's a huge man and a massive unit, which is excellent. That's what we need for our team. But he didn't seem up to the pace of the Premier League just yet. And lo and fucking behold, maybe that's why he didn't get thrown into the Lions Den against Man City away. Yeah, the, the, the difference the, in pace between Spain and England is massive and City are well known for being one of the most hyper-pressing, like, fast ball movement teams. So I guess yep. it buys into the stupidity of everyone else. Um, Toby, yep. it would be remiss of us not to have a conversation about Hector Bayerin. Now, I very tentatively sent you a message saying I thought Hector was pretty good despite mm. All of the ass bros, Mike, Manny, and Ryan, all blowing up. I'm um, in another group with another couple of podcasters. 
Mr. Arsenal, Ryan from Mr. Arsenal, he's shit. Dan Potts from same old Arsenal, he's absolute shit. And occasionally, mm. Toby, occasionally I will I will send you something in private and you will come back to me and you'll say, no, I actually agree with you. You're not insane. Um, mm. I had Hector not have done the giant Mustafi slide, I think it was in about the 80th minute, I may have had Hector for, for if not positive point, in the mix for positive points. I thought he was pretty good. Mm. I thought he was pretty robust. I thought he was coming back to fitness. And I don't mm. think necessarily that it is completely his fault that he's not effective going forward. I kind of think we're so lopsided towards the left that the right can't do the same thing without massively exposing every part of us, like like one part has to sit. So mm. I'm just I'm just interested because I know from from so much Twitter and so many of our friends who we podcast with that you and I may be the only two who thought that he actually had a pretty good game. So I wanted to know your thoughts on on Hector in this game and why you thought that he wasn't awful. I, I think if you're looking at moments, I can only think of two. And sometimes they're the things that stick in your head. So the the first moment was an opportunity for him to just get on the outside and whip a ball in first time. And he took the egg cut slowed it down and then passed backwards. So that was that was a frustrating point where, you know, when the game is at pace like that, if you whip something in, someone just needs to get a foot on the end of it. You know, you could have a defensive own goal, something like that. The other moment that that I think that um, that everyone's referring to, I think he misjudged a ball over his head or a through ball or something of the like. And then I think Sterling, am I correct? Absolutely sat him on his ass because he was at full pelt trying to make mm. up for his defensive. He must the shit out of it. But if you put yourself in that position, if you've made an er- error and you're charging back at full pelt to make up for that error and you're in a moment where you're either going to do a last-ditch lunging effort to defend the cross and get a block in, or that player is going to have the quality to stop it on a and on a Raheem, five cent. And piece. Raheem Sterling is a quality player who is exactly. who is good and, enough and to look, stop anyway, it. Anyway, anyway, he ended up sliding on his ass. So they're the moments that that I can see why he got the negative for. For for me, where I thought he was quite good today was that he did his defensive job reasonably well. Apart from that, I thought he looked more robust to me. And I like the way that he comes in and connects with midfield. You know, you're, you're right. We don't have that overlapping fullback on that side, but I have a feeling that is part of a remit as well, you know. Mm. So Hector is better at receiving the ball. We always play out on the right-hand side, if you've noticed. Yep. So, I think, yep. so I think he's more comfortable in that because he's, he's technically fairly secure and he comes into midfield and is part of the build-up play. So I think this is all structured. So I think we can get a little bit carried away with the fact that we all love AMN because he's an all-action hero. You know, he's a, he's a homegrown talent. I mean, AMN is just about my favourite player, so I'll caveat that before I say what I'm going to say. But he's, he's probably less reliable on the ball. He can be more dangerous 
but he does give definitely the, give more the likely away. to give it up in tight areas. So you know, and then on top of that, you've also got combinations that don't work. So he doesn't seem to work so well with Pepe, who also doesn't like going on the outside. You had Sabios, who was sort of less attacking on that right-hand side as well. And maybe Willian, if he comes over from the centre and joins that style. So I just I found that right-hand side a bit more dysfunctional. And I actually thought Hector was, was quite good overall. And I also don't think he's tasked to really go beyond that much. He's part of our security blanket. As such, mm. so I'm going to agree with you. I, I think, I think there's an element of our frustration as Arsenal fans goes towards certain players. Dare I say, brother Ryan and um, anyone but Jaka. Yeah, you know. Yeah, he's, it, he's, he's giant erection for El Nenny, and then El Nenny know, has a two out of ten game, but it's still better than Jaka. Yeah, so so I think our our ire is drawn towards certain players. For me, a lot of the time, it was um, our fuzzy-haired North African slash French friend who is now at Herder Berlin. He's someone mm. who drew my ire. So I think as fans, we've all we've all got those players that, that we tend to go to when we want to scapegoat someone. And and don't so. don't don't get me wrong. I have negatived Hector several times this season with negative numbers. We all have. So, we all so have. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that I haven't been on the the Hector bandwagon. I just mm. found it surprising this week that all of our other Arsbros managed to find negative points for him when mm. I looked so much elsewhere for the failures. And one of the things I thought was quite good about Hector this week is I thought this was as robust as I'd seen him for quite a while. Mm. He, yeah. he sort of got into things. I thought he put his body in there. I thought I thought I, he's, he's starting he played, to look he, slightly bigger, slightly fitter. Yeah, he well. played a really beautiful one-time ball. It didn't come off, but Pepe, uh, him and Pepe got close together on the inside right channel, and Hector played like a first-time open foot slid ball for Pepe. Pepe didn't run onto it. Um, but yeah, I just didn't think. Look, I didn't think that Hector was amazing. I, I thought that he was quite solid and I thought that he did his job and I just found it really interesting that everyone else took a great deal of time out of their day to say he's well, fucking shit, he's fucking bef- done. Before I'd spoken to you, I flicked through, um, and, and this was this morning after I watched the game, I flicked through the the our, our group and I couldn't believe the amount of shit that Hector was getting. I was Why like, it's so oh. interesting when I, I said like, when I said to you like Hector's not that bad. You're like, no, not at all. I thought he was quite good. And I was like, we're yeah. the only fucking two people who don't mm. think that he was. But that I, he I was think awful. I, I think with the way we do things, and I'm not saying everyone um, in the group does the the positive and negative points per per game, but. Um, are you tapping on the microphone? Oh yeah, sorry, I was tapping away. Um, yeah, ADD motherfucker. Um, <laughs> so yeah, okay. So that's where I was at before you distracted me. Was that I, I think when we do have to negative point players as part of our weekly job, let's say, is mm. that sometimes we do look at moments and we remember those moments, and that's why someone can have a relatively um, a decent game or or whatever, and and make one or two errors, and and that's what sticks in our mind. Mm, mm. Absolutely. Um. Look, Toby, it was a uh, boring I, I as fuck. We had... Have we? Have we? Yeah, said but that? I, 
Yeah, yeah. And we said that last week, funnily enough, as well. And I think we said the week before against Liverpool that they were boring games. So, you know, yeah. as an well, Arsenal front, fan. Front three for me, if we're, uh, if, if we're going to criticise. As an Arsenal fan at the moment, Toby, it's quite hard. I, I think Arsenal fans need to come to terms with the fact that by nature, a back three is quite a passive quite a passive um, uh, approach to football. It's all about creating a small amount of opportunities and those opportunities are being executed by the players at the front line. That's why I so heavily went after our creative players this week in my negative points rather than looking at the defensive players and pulling apart so their in. And so I was like, I. no, that's your job. That's what you're meant to mm. do. And can we also say we had four clear-cut opportunities. So we might not create as much as we used to, but in terms of, like, if you want to use the statistic of XG, I would say we had four relatively high opportunities to score. I think, so you, I think, I think so, City had about six or seven. There was a couple of good saves in there from exactly. Leno. Yeah, yeah, But it exactly. wasn't so blown out. Ours just came no, no. in patches, which is what happens when you play passive. Mm. You get moments mm. in games where mm. you finally pull them out of shape and then yep. it all changes. Yep. Look, so, Toby, so, Yeah, I was going to say you had Saka, who, yep. it, it, look, it was a good save. But you had Oba, it was, Oba, who was onside, and had he yep. had finished that, VAR would have looked at it and said, no, nope, he's sure. onside. Yep, yep. And then you had two from, from Pepe. So and The head of the, the real... Bad head, header from Pepe. But, I mean, I wrote in my comments, I'm like, he's not there to fucking smash, like, big ballsy headers in. But it was a great ball and a great opportunity for him to get mm. his head on. Mm. Um, anyway, look, Toby, my potatoes are burning. I can smell them burning. And I can also see them burning now as the smoke is starting to make its way through the house. Uh, so I'd better wrap this up for safety reasons more than anything else. Um, but we'll be back. Uh, next game, don't really remember who's playing, but you know that's what I do most of the time. And um, might be Man U, might be Man U. We should go do them. I would think. I hope we play a little bit more expansive. And Toby, hopefully, you know, a full week with our new player, and we might be able to see him get on the pitch. Who knows? Um, but Perhaps. as always, Toby. Perhaps. As always, Toby. Thank you so much. As always, listeners, you can follow us all of us at the Ask Brothers. So at the Ask Brothers is the communal Twitter. So if you want to follow everything that Manny produces, things that Mike produces, I produce, Toby produces, um, you've now got Jerome and Corey who are doing the show with Mike and they're now, they're now ass brothers as well. You've got Ryan. You can catch all these guys on same old Arsenal, Ryan, Manny, uh, Dan Potts all over at same old Arsenal now doing their stuff with us. Uh, I'm on clock and talk. You can catch me on Fridays with Darren and Liam, uh, running Guna. Uh, and Toby, you can catch here because he doesn't have the the ability to do multiple things at multiple times. So, Toby, you're kind of like a, a one woman man here on the Ars Bros. You know, you just you dip your wick one place well, at I, one time. I can't I can't be fucked with Twitter for a start. Yep. And I also you can catch me on the Ars Brothers monthly. So I do have more yep. than one purpose. <laughs> it's, it's it's true. Toby I'm, is I'm a, just a little slow. Toby is a missionary man when it comes to podcasting, but trust me, when it comes to life, he's an arse-eating cunt. Good night. Good night.